Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 900, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 7. Let's read our passage. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man, because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so that he did not experience death. He was not to be found, because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith he condemned the world, and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the book of Hebrews. This is a letter, or a written sermon, to a group of Jewish Christians. seems that they're starting to experience persecution as Christians, and the temptation is there to run back to Judaism to escape the persecution. The author of Hebrews is writing that Christ is superior to anything they could be looking to go to. Christ is superior to angels, superior to Moses, superior to the Old Testament priesthood. Christ is the new high priest with a new covenant that has replaced the old covenant. And the key to living in this new covenant is living by faith. Now he added, really, that's always been the key to living with God, is faith. Even those under the old covenant were to live by faith. Faith has always been what God has desired. Chapter 11 is the faith chapter, where he's laying out, this is what living by faith looks like. So we begin with chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts, and even though he's dead, he still speaks through his faith. Well, the story of Cain and Abel is in Genesis chapter 4. We read, the man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have made a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel became a shepherd of the flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. There's always been a lot of debate about why did God approve of Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And there's, there's a lot of ideas, a lot of theories. Some people want to say that because Abel offered the offering of the flock, which was a blood offering, there's no indication this was a sin offering. This was just a, more of a first fruits offering. They were bringing to God a portion of what they had produced. And so in that case, it would be entirely appropriate for Cain to bring produce 
that he had grown because that's what he did. He grew produce. And so his first fruits would be an appropriate offering. That's where I side with those that say there was not a problem with what he offered. The problem was his attitude. And the writer of Hebrews has already brought this up back in chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, where he was quoting from Psalm 40. You did not desire sacrifice and offering. You prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. There he was making the point that the offering itself is not what pleases God. It's the attitude behind it. And God chastises Cain for his attitude about things. So the issue is his attitude, not the offering itself. Now the writer of Hebrews here is focusing on Abel. Not told much about Abel, but he says, by faith, Abel offered the better sacrifice. What was better about his sacrifice? His faith. Now, how do we know that he was a man of faith? Because the writer Hebrew tells us here, by faith, he was approved as a righteous man. Back in Hebrews 10, 38, the writer said, my righteous will live by faith. And there he was quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2. And this is a big deal here, this linkage between righteousness and faith. If you are living by faith, you are righteous. If you are righteous, then you are living by faith. It's a, a pairing, this idea of righteousness and faith. So how do we know that Abel was a righteous man? Because he lived by faith. How do we know he lived by faith? Because he was a righteous man. And the writer of Hebrews is saying here, and we know he was righteous because God approved of his offering. And it's all about the attitude, the faith attitude behind the offering. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. There's not a lot in the Bible about Enoch in the chronology of generations leading up before the flood. We see in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 18, Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. Jared lived 800 years after he fathered Enoch, and he fathered other sons and daughters, so Jared's life lasted 962 years. Then he died. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he had fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not there because God took him. This is an oddly worded passage that Enoch walked with God and then was not there because God took him. Now in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament it says, Enoch pleased God. He was not found because God translated him. And it's generally accepted that Enoch did not die. He was taken directly to heaven. And is one of the only two people in all of history, that, at least that we know about, who did not die, but were taken directly to heaven. Elijah the prophet was taken directly to heaven in this whirlwind. He did not die. And Enoch, is generally believed, did not die. That's why many people believe the two witnesses in the book of Revelation are Elijah 
and Enoch. We don't know that. But Enoch is this strange character. That's really all we know about Enoch. But Enoch is big in extra-biblical literature as an extremely righteous man. Why is he so righteous? Well, one, this miraculous being translated to heaven without death. And like I said, in the uh, Greek version of the Old Testament, Enoch pleased God. Well, how do we know he lived by faith? Because the writer here says, by faith, Enoch was taken away. Well, we know he lived by faith because he pleased God. You don't please God without living by faith. And that's the conclusion he makes. He was taken away. He was approved as one who pleased God. Now, verse 6, he's adding kind of a parenthetical comment to Enoch, but it applies to all of these characters. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here he's making it plain. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is how we know Enoch lived by faith, because he pleased God. So those who please God are those who live by faith. Those who live by faith, please God. Now he adds, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This seems like kind of a low bar. Believe that God exists. There are a lot of people who believe there is a God, but are far, far, far from God. What does this mean? I, I think it's it just kind of lost in the language and the the centuries, but what he's really saying here, believe that he is the God of the Bible, that the God who exists is this God, Yahweh, the, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. That is the God who exists. Believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. So believe it exists, the believe that he is the God of the Bible. He is the living God. Believe that he rewards those who seek him. I guess it goes along as a point he's been making about having this confidence in the hope, this confidence that God's promises will come true. That is, he trusts God. So he believes God and he trusts God. And that's what we call faith, believing God and trusting God. That is faith. Verse 7, by faith Noah after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah was warned by God. Noah was told that God was going to bring judgment on the earth and flood the earth and wipe it out. And that Noah's assignment was to build this giant boat on dry ground and that there would be a flood warned about what has not yet seen. What's not yet seen? A flood. There's going to be a flood. Not tomorrow, not next year, but years from now there's going to be a flood. So get working on this boat because it's going to take you years to complete it. And so he was motivated by godly fear. I mean, fear like terror or awe and respect of God. Yeah. It's, uh, when God tells you something like this, you better do it. So he was told to do this thing, it seemed bizarre, absolutely bizarre. In fact, he was mocked by all of his neighbors. But Noah believed God and trusted God. What do we call that? We call that faith. 
Now, Genesis 6, 9 tells us something about Noah. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Noah is the first one in the Bible to be called righteous. So we know Noah was a righteous man. Now remember that statement from Hebrews 10, 38, my righteous will live by faith. So righteousness and faith are connected. Noah was a righteous man. Noah lived by faith. And by faith, Noah did what God told him to do because he believed God, he trusted God. He says, by faith, he condemned the world. What does he mean by that? Hard to say exactly what he's getting at there, whether it's a contrast that Noah's faith was the contrast of everybody else's lack of faith. And so they were condemned in that they could have believed, but they didn't and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah then became essentially the new Adam. He's the heir now to the beginning of the world. He specifically links righteousness with faith here. My righteous will live by faith. That's a Habakkuk 2 quote, Hebrews 10.38. So he's beginning this list of people who lived by faith. I'll call this the Faith Hall of Fame or Heroes of the Faith. These are people from the Old Testament, Old Testament characters who exhibited faith. What is faith? Faith is believing God and trusting God, trusting God to the point of action. Like with Noah, what he was told was something really bizarre, but he did it because he believed God. He trusted God. And we also see this link between righteousness and faith. Somebody's declared righteous, we know they are a person of faith. If somebody is a person of faith, we know they are righteous. So this link between righteousness and faith, and faith is believing God and trusting God. Now, all this is painting a picture of this is what living by faith looks like. This is how you live in the new covenant. It's always been how you live in a relationship with God. But it's key to the new covenant to live in this relationship with God is to be a righteous person living by faith. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews 11.1.